The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, it's the hottest trend in the natural foods industry, and CBDs are helping many people suffering from all kinds of ailments find relief. No longer a fad, it's a movement. And we're on the cutting edge with the latest on this growing industry. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Dr. Rob Streisfeld is a passionate consumer advocate and educator with over 15 years of natural health and natural products industry experience. A doctor of naturopathic medicine and certified natural food chef, Doc Rob provides an informed and innovative perspective to support branding, marketing, PR, and other business development needs with a focus on education and community. Over the past decade, Doc Rum has helped to identify and expand key health categories such as probiotics, enzymes, whey protein, fermented foods, and whole food supplements. And we welcome him to the Mother's Market Podcast. Doc Rum, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you guys again. Awesome. Good, <laughs> good to see you. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic? You know, I've always just been a big advocate. I think part of it that I come in from a doctor side of it, so the healer, the caregiver, the take, you know, someone that takes care of others. So instead of just being a seller, I want to kind of give value in other ways. So I've always been an educator and a spokesperson, and now as a consultant uh, with Beyond Brands and advising in emerging categories, how to do it consciously, how to really focus on quality and good practices of production and manufacturing, how to reach a good audience that needs good quality products. And so it's just something that I've done my whole career and, and enjoy doing. It's not really work when you love it every day. I love it. That's great. Well, today we're talking about the latest on CBDs. And so, Dr. Rob, what is new in cannabis? And everybody's talking about CBD. Yeah, it's, for me, <laughs> thankfully, it's not new. I've been part of this space for quite a number of years, helping to, you know, help it grow and emerge. But this year, it has hit full swing. I mean, there, you walk down the aisles at Expo West and it's, we're inundated with hemp and CBD, which is not a bad thing, but it might hit a saturation point faster than most have expected or desired. But people are talking about cannabis, people are talking about hemp, people are talking about all the different compounds and different uses, and it's great to see the plant being freed and accepted again, and not just from Canada, but the U.S. market and the international market is really getting on fire. And you really did get here ahead of time. You had an elevated view, and now you really are seeing ahead of where we are now. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've worked in the medical cannabis space for years, so I was aware of CBD from that perspective, I and mean, that was relatively new in that world. Everyone had just been focusing on THC. And then I saw a CBD company come into Expo East almost five years ago and or, or more, and I said, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be the natural product show. He goes, no, no, it's hemp-derived. This is really the future. And I said, you know what? It really is. And so we started working, and... New Hope said one year, no, you can't be here. <laughs> no, you can't have CBD here and try to ban our products. And then fast forward a couple of years and they said something about over 170 booths with CBD and 1,400 new products or some crazy numbers like that. And it's, it's hit full swing. Wow. Well, what are some of the exciting things you're seeing and what are doing in the emerging cannabis industry? Well, I think that in any time we have an exciting ingredient like that, we have opportunity and also challenges. So you still have some regulatory gray areas. You still have, you now have the 
2018 Farm Bill that passed, which was huge, mm -hmm. that freed industrial hemp, but didn't free CBD. You know, so people don't understand that, that industrial hemp is now legal federally, but it's not free entirely. It just moved from the DEA as far as control and oversight to the FDA and USDA. So it's not completely, we want regulations to a degree. Of course, half of me wants free the plant, completely grow your own rights for personal use. But if you're gonna take and start producing and growing and manufacturing and reselling, we need some SOPs, we need some guidelines, we need some good manufacturing practices. So we're seeing some of the early adopters of the product or, or people that come from the cannabis world, the farming world that don't understand the natural products industry, some of them are struggling, some of them are in that learning curve, but now we're seeing the established brands, the ones that have been around the industry for 20, 30 years, they understand, they have shelf space, they know what they need to be compliant with, and they're breaking in for the first time and all in, I mean, every major brand you can imagine within this year or by next year will have some sort of CBD ingredient in their product line. It seems inevitable. Wow. Uh, so you, it, right now it's the wild, wild west that's it, happening. It, it's, it's still, like I said, there's still a little gray area, but it's, it's taken the world by storm. And the challenge will be is, you know, how long? And my, and my flags of caution that a lot of people don't want to be hearing is that, well, I've seen trends over the years, you know, probiotics, we've seen uh, resveratrol, we've seen coconut, we've seen soy, we've seen vitamin D, we've seen all these things that, and turmeric, I mean, turmeric was the last couple of years, they, they come and they don't disappear, but there is a plateau. And I think that people don't understand that CBD's spike is so rapid yeah. that it's already hit a saturation point that if you have 60% of the, the products on the shelves having some CBD, then how is a CBD company that's getting into the game today going to exist? And where does the retailer now pick and choose how mm -hmm. to build? Now, we will eventually see in the stores a CBD probably category or shelf space. But again, there's thousands of companies, and some of them are on e-commerce only, and some of them are, you know, uh, joined direct, or there's still the network marketing or what was formerly MLM models, and you have some that aren't caring about regulations. So how do you put that next to the companies that understand that. that. Care and, uh, and it costs maybe more to do the certain lab test, to do certain compliance things. So there's going to be a little battle, but we've watched the pricing also go down significantly. So when I was doing this years ago, I could tell you that there were companies selling at 16, 18 cents per milligram, and probably on average today, three, four years later, we're talking two to seven cents. Mm -hmm. And so, if that's the model, or that's the way things are going, as more farmers are planting and more supplies coming on board, yeah, there's more demand. There's a lot more demand right now, but where do we hit that point of, of max saturation and the price drops down? And some great people in this industry, like Clee Irwin and Irwin Naturals, was out on the Hemp and CBD Summit on Tuesday that I was speaking at, and his desire is to make it more affordable for everyone, mm -hmm. you know, put it in the mass market. And so if there's people operating in that good faith effort, how is that going to work on people that have set up three to five year projections that they won't meet them based on the, the pricing? Yeah, that's not a the balance. So, it, wow, this is interesting. Uh, the passing of the so you just you just touched on this that 2018 farm bill. It does it has a lot of people excited, but some you're so you did talk about your thoughts on this and well, where it's it's the farm bill. Everyone focused on CBD, but what I want to always bring back is that that same movement. Uh, the, during that same period of passing the farm bill, hemp seed oil, hemp protein powder, hold hemp, things that have been in our stores for years, 
ha was recognized by the FDA as grass or generally regarded as safe. That's a milestone. That's historic. That's 20 years in the making of, of, of building this category and getting some kind of recognition of its safety and application in, 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 as a superfood. So a lot of people just forgot about that or didn't even think about that. They're like, oh, it's CBD, CBD. And I'm like, wait, there have been, you know, true pioneers of this industry for many years been working just to get this plant in general accepted. So don't pass on that. We saw an amazing uh, report or an announcement last week with uh, Tilray, one of the largest cannabis companies or, you know, marijuana companies in, out of Canada, bought Manitoba Harvest Hemp, the largest hemp food company in the world. So you're saying, well, they, because they're going to vertically integrate and differentiate their product lines, but they also see the value still of the hemp hearts, the hemp seed oil, the hemp protein. They're not skipping all that. This is a whole plant with so many parts that are useful and so many ways to use it industrially or agriculturally or nutritionally. So, and, and you said right when you sat down that you see, you have a plan, you have, you see the future. Mm -hmm. Whereas, again, a lot of these companies that are clearing their shelves, and it's just a now thing. Uh, recent brand, a uh, recent brand, your team at Beyond Brands, um, and what the website beyondbrands.org. Mm -hmm. Yep. It launched at uh, Mood Thirty Three. It's a cannabis infused sparkling tonic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. So this is um, one of the first projects and one of the most dear projects to our company. The founder, Michael Christopher, was originally in New York working to launch a CBD beverage and couldn't do it because of the regulatory framework and picked up everything and moved to California. And we worked with him and said, well, if we're in California and it's adult use, we can have the access to THC and CBD. And more and more research shows that although CBD is amazing, it seems to work better when there's a little bit of THC with it. So he came out with this concept of a beverage line called Mood 33, but unlike many, it's not a more is better model. So in California and these cannabis legal states, they were providing a 12 ounce bottle of beverage with 100 milligrams of THC. Hmm. And for the unknowing consumer, still an early industry and a lot of people don't understand how it'll affect them, take a big couple gulps of that drink hmm. and you're in for a ride. So the idea that Michael Christopher and the Mood 33 team and what we worked on was lifestyle friendly. So each product, a bottle, will have maybe a total of 10 milligrams or 5 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC. And he complemented with some other extracts and really, really nice ingredients. So it's more of the adult responsible consumer who wants to go out and have a glass of wine or a bottle of beer or two or a drink or a cocktail. They now can choose a Mood 33 beverage and have that same kind of benefit without being intoxicated or overwhelmed. And I see that being a large trend of, yeah, it's a lot of fun at first. Everyone's like, oh, let's see how it feels and get crazy. But as we become more familiar with this, these compounds and this plant, the conscious consumer, which I've always promoted, is let's start making responsible choices and, you know, something that fits into my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you know? And you're always going to have, you know, see a lot of young kids getting into cannabis, although Research has been showing that those legal states, states that legalized cannabis, teen use and abuse is going down. So it's a nice scene. It's, we've always been what we can't have, we're attracted to. It's right. our human nature. So as we make it more available and we educate more people about it, we're seeing less abuse and misuse. But I am still seeing young people misusing THC in high concentrated doses. So what I'm looking at in the trend is respect to the plant. Uh, I use an analogy of tobacco. And everyone's like, oh, tobacco. Well, no, tobacco as a plant's not bad. And the 
raw leaves and the juice has been used topically even to, to treat basal cell carcinomas and there's use of the tobacco ingredients in toothpaste in India. So it's not bad. It's, it's when the industry got involved and started to regulate. not only regulate but, but commercialize it and industrialize it and have to produce so much to be cost effective and add in, in additive ingredients. And so now you're manipulating it from a plant. Mm. And that's what concerns me and that's what I'm advocating for is that one, one couple of things. One is it's not the plant that is the problem, it's how we handle and manage and utilize the plant, so we have to be responsible of that. And the other side is that I told this to the industry when I spoke on the Hemp and CBD Summit, which, by the way, was a thousand people. I mean, it was, they had to put extra rooms with screens just to live stream it in because they, it was standing room only in every space you can find. It was that attractive, but I said, please don't let our natural products industry degradate and push down THC's benefits I use the term bastardized THC for the sake of selling CBD. Because in a few years, hopefully, the federal government wakes up as well and they'll decriminalize you know, cannabis as a whole. And maybe they'll still regulate to a certain amount per you know, product that you can consume. But we'll want THC, even in small amounts, in some of these formulas, some of these supplements, some of these products. And if we put the, our standard as good or bad, one is good, one is bad, what happens in a couple of years when we want the other one? Well, you told us it was bad. So we don't want to perpetuate that conversation. And there's a lot of these language issues that I keep promoting, which is don't use psychoactive as bad. Because psychoactive is not bad. Psychoactive is a term that describes an effect, never not used medically negatively or positively. So chocolate, caffeine, these are all psychoactive. Mm. You know, so it does not mean it's bad. It has an effect. <laughs> so let's talk about it and how, what kind of effect are we desiring? But that's marketing, right? And that's, that's again, like, education, yeah. branding. Mm -hmm. Branding. That's what I've always done is more about education. So that's marketing. Well, if you teach, mm -hmm. you don't really have to sell. You know, people make better choices on their own. And that's what I do. And I love doing that. Beyond Brand is very focused on you know, that conscious consumer, a better quality product, a clean product. And we like to do a lot of good education and good branding around it. Good for you. Um, what other products or categories do you see gaining in popularity right now? What have some challenges been when consulting and advising clients related to cannabis? You have a big audience and you have a lot of people listening to you. There's a lot of opportunity, but there's also a lot of challenges. Like I said earlier, that you have a lot of people coming from outside the industry. You have cannabis people. People have been growing for 20 years kind of behind the scenes, and now they're trying to bring their hard work and labor of love to a marketplace that's, they're starting to see corporate influence and all these other things and a lot of money grabs, and they're going, but we're still the farmers, we're still the people, we're still the, the ground roots of this industry, and so I still like to push that forward and say, don't forget how we got here. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, like I said, Manitoba and the people you know, uh, that have fought, the people like you know, the Fadas and things of like that that have fought to get this even on the table of a conversation point. As a consultant, I found, for the most part, two major groups. One is the amazing entrepreneur, passionate, great innovator, has wonderful ideas, doesn't have money. Happens. The other side is the groups that got funded and are making money because there's such a demand right now, but aren't really knowledgeable and set up for long-term success, in my opinion, or they think because they're being successful today, they know how to do it in this industry long-term, and they don't want to take advice or mm. consults from people that have a lot of experience and a lot of you know, familiarity. This is not new. 
it's a little different, but not new to this industry that we have a hot ingredient, that we have regulatory challenges. This is nothing that, that we have compliance and GMP you know, practices, you know, these, these things, you know, GMP uh, rules and effects. So that's been some of the challenges is saying, look, some of us understand the path forward. And yeah, you might want to push the limits a little bit, but there's still a, a path that's been laid out for us. And those that don't want to listen, this is what I've been challenged with is, I don't book clients or I don't look to take money. It's our job as consultants, it's a part of our business, but I'm not looking to take it from people who I know will fail. Mm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's not how I work. And that's not saying everyone does that, but if I look at a company and say, you're set up to fail. So yeah, I can take your money now, but you won't be in business in two years. I don't do that ethically. Yeah. So I can give them tips on what they might want to do. If they don't listen, I'm like, okay, well maybe you need to find someone else that'll do that. Right, so. and yeah, and you and you have a big platform, a big enough platform to get that out there oh, yeah. and let people it's, it's know. It's good to be selective. I yeah. think that's patient, strategic, mm -hmm. and selective. Mm -hmm. Great information. Uh, we have to take a quick break, so uh, don't go away. More from Dr. Rob in just a moment. We'll be right back. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Rob Streisfeld. And uh, we're talking about the latest in cannabis. And Dr. Rob, uh, let's go straight into, you're talking a little bit about the CBD, the isolate, and your full spectrum, broad spectrum. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a big conundrum. I'll use that term because it's my book title as well. But mm -hmm. we have this plant and the way the plant grows it has naturally occurring cannabinoids different levels of it um, because we have found value in them we are growing them differently we're elevating the percentages of different compounds and trying to reduce the percentage of compounds so we're trying to in some areas are increasing CBD percentage and trying to reduce or eliminate or lower THC percentage in certain cultivars or genetic strains but when it comes to processing taking it to the next level then they're looking at, well, what's the extract or what's in the bottle? And isolate is when they take it to the 99-plus percent pure, just CBD. And while that, for many, is easier to formulate with because it's more of a pure milligram per milligram dosing, a couple problems. One is it's in science and research is showing it doesn't work as well. It's like taking uh, the vitamin C, you know, separating that out. But we know now in our industry that when you add bioflavonoids and rose hips and other herbs, it works better. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to take and isolate that compound away. And it seems to be more of a pharmaceutical derivative of the plant. If the drug companies are going to make a product with CBD, they're going to look at a 99 plus percent pure compound. And that's more for that range. And it's going to be used in medicine and drug making. And the problem is that some companies were taking 
a very cheap product and spiking it by just adding in extra CBD to boost up the percentage. And the FDA and everyone does not like that. And so I've never been an advocate for isolate. Now, of course, in the medical community and disease treatment, yes, there's going to be some role for that. But on the everyday health and wellness person, I don't really feel that if you, you should not be looking for, when you look for a product that's hemp-derived hemp CBD, that I would prefer or recommend staying away from those that are using isolate. I, I tell that to the manufacturers as well as to the consumers and the retailers. Now we have the next stage, which is full and broad spectrum. So you have an extract um, from the plant that'll have a full gamut, we call entourage effect of all the different cannabinoids, different flavonoids, terpenoids, lignans, all these different compounds that come in plants. So the difference between full spectrum and broad spectrum for me is that full is everything. And in the cannabis plant, we'll have small amounts of THC. Hemp is defined as having less than 0.3% THC, and that makes it legal according to the Farm Bill. But broad spectrum are for those people that are looking for the hemp and the CBD, but they don't want any THC. And right now, the only reason why that, I think, is happening is because of fear of drug tests or the, the consequences, not because they really are scared of it, because that small amount's not going to get them high or imbalance them or make them disoriented. It's very minute, but still, from a legal standpoint, they don't want to take the risk. That's very popular with military, uh, flight attendants, and other things of that nature that, you know, pilots, things that are much more specific, drug testing, some athletes. But again, that hopefully will change. And that's just the, the for the broad section you're explaining, and that's just for the medical part, no THC. Well, the broad spectrum is now in the supplements and things of that nature, but they're purposely trying to keep THC out of, of it. it. And the full spectrum would have all of it, including a small amount of THC if it's from hemp. And I think that, as I said earlier, the, the research shows that that small amount of THC seems to make everything work better in the body. It's part of our endocannabinoid system. We have receptors for it. So it makes sense, but I... We're still in that gray area of regulatory space. So. Okay, thank you for explaining that. Um, so recently, when we've been talking about this as well, you published a book, the, Can the Cannabis Conundrum. I like it. It's hard to say if you say it past five times. Exactly. <laughs> but let's talk about that. Yes, I mean, so people always are asking me questions, mm -hmm. and I have my opinions, of course, and I hope they're sound and, and, and shared and, and, and appreciated. But again, they're opinions, and I, I think that it's a good time in this industry to always hear different perspectives and learn that this industry is so huge. There are people out there looking at turning hemp into biofuels and people making hempcrete to build homes and, mm. and plastics. I've got the awesome you know, hemp plastics sunglass company coming out and this is all this cool stuff. So you gotta look at it as much, everyone's got different aspects and different interests. We have the announcement with the Farm Bill was that they the FDA recognized hemp seed, hemp seed oil, and the hemp, whole hemp proteins as grass and safe. Well, that's a whole different perspective in an industry that's different than just the CBD people that are just selling CBD right now because it's popular. So we look at this from a very wide perspective, and I was able to take a bunch of different industry experts and influencers and insiders and have them each write a chapter. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just me. I have a nice chapter in the front, which really share some of my background and why I have this perspective, setting the table for this ongoing conversation. We're just in the infant stages. So that book is out on Amazon. The ebook is 99 cents. It's really meant to be educational and informative and to continue the conversation, which will hopefully, if you go to the cannabisconundrum.com, you'll see there's already a couple others in the series being developed. 
um, to bring in the doctors and researchers and scientists' perspective is a whole different conversation from even the patients, the caregivers, and the loved ones that are affected by sickness and the ones they're seeing their you know, loved ones get better. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a, and then of course, you know, in any industry, women in the industry are amazing. Today is, a, I think, National, National you know, Women's Day. Day, and I love it. And we're, <laughs> at Beyond Brands, we're majority women owned and run. Uh, the women that are taking charge are in the cannabis industry are amazing. There's cannabis nurses and the cannabis moms with their kids. It's, like, it's so cool to see this being a, a community effort, and that's really what I love about this is that there's a huge community coming together, sharing information. Of course, there's always going to be a little competition. For, for the most part, people want to see this plant freed and uh, accessible and a safer natural option than some of the other pharmaceutical or synthetic options out there. And with that in mind, we're seeing big ag getting involved and you're getting other pharmaceutical industries getting involved and they just produce certain cannabinoids off of yeast cultures and there's mm -hmm. other tissue culture development and synthetic cannabinoids. So we're not anywhere near the, the end here. This is just the beginning and it's gonna be challenging for some consumers to navigate and so that's all I look to do. I have a, a, you know, a radio show on Cannabis Radio or on iHeart called Concierge for Better Living, which I just try to bring on different guests and, of course, use that as a way to share different perspectives. And just like, you know, this show is great. And that's what we got to do. We got to just keep the message out there and, and always welcome for feedback. That's the biggest thing is be open for criticism, be open for feedback, and to learn something new. I love this plant. I know a lot about it, but I'm always excited to go to conferences and learn from other experts. And I think that's part of where we're at now. We have so much more to go. And you can see your passion. And <laughs> I think uh, what we were talking about, too, about your book is that it's nice that you welcomed in other voices um, and, again, have shared a lot of different perspectives. So yeah, I mean, I host, uh, tra you know, there's a big 420 conference in Michigan, and they're like, do you want to speak? I'm like, no. I mean, you know, I want to MC. I want to help navigate it and help fill gaps and answer questions in between the speakers and bridge mm -hmm. the stories. And I, that, to me, is really the, the passion I have, is really kind of answer, fill in the blanks and help mm -hmm. people get, you know, that, that up and down nodding, like, I, yeah. I understand now. Yeah. And yeah. this is not new. As I said, this is something 15, 16 years ago when I was traveling talking about probiotics. You see a room of blank stares in the room, 50 to 100 people going, proba what? <laughs> and now, fast forward, I mean, not that fast, but it's been time, and they're everywhere, and people understand them now, and they use them, they appreciate them, and this is part of the journey that any really amazing um, compound or natural product or even something just natural in plants we need to do. We need to spend the time to educate. But of course, I'd love to see this plant growing in everyone's backyard and as a vegetable and another medicinal herb. It's, so that's the trend I, I'm hoping to see is that the first interest is that a lot of it is for concentrating and manufacturing and processing. But I'm hoping that as we learn more, we'll go backwards to whole plant and unadulterated and just start to use this as another just medicinal herb or vegetable or food. It's, it's just amazing you know, to have cannabis back on the table. We've, we kind of little talked a little bit about that, why you wrote this book, but also the collaborative um, effect with the multiple author approach. Um, yeah. But it's because, really, you wanted to bring in everybody else's voices through here. So I guess. There, 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 are, there are people that have been doing this a long time. You know, and that's why I'm saying I don't want to just start dropping names, but it's just such, there's so many great hamsters and cannabis people that have been fighting the good fight. You have all these organizations. You have APA, you know, American Herbal Products Association. We have a cannabis committee that meets and helps the FDA figure this out. You have HIA. You have now the newest one is U.S. Hemp Roundtable, and they're trying to build a third-party certification stamp so they can vet out these manufacturers so consumers can have some sort of 
consumer report type of guidance as to quality. So you see a lot of this evolving and as a regulatory framework with the FDA comes to bear in the next couple months to years, we don't know how fast they're going to act. We're going to see a lot of changes, and I'm afraid that some companies may be pushed out of business because they're just not compliant. And you're going to see new ones come in that see opportunity. It's really kind of fun. Well, and I like, again, obviously your research, you know what you're talking about. You talk about compliance a lot. So there's, uh, where can people get your book? My book, again, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online right now. I said the ebook is a special 99 cents. We're not trying to gouge people. It's not about a moneymaker. It's really just keep the stories going, share the information. I mean, uh, there's a, there was a hemp road trip, and this guy, you know, Rick Trojan, went around in a little van, in a bus, little van, all around the country to different capitals, to different, you know, cap, you know, and talk to government officials, talk to consumers, and try to educate on the grassroots level. And I have him write a chapter, you know. And then <laughs> uh, my friend Heidi runs My Compassion, and a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, one of the first federally recognized cannabis nonprofits. And they're like, oh well, nonprofits are making a lot of money. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's hard work. But she doesn't. She goes out there and she tells stories about, this is 10 years they've been doing this. Wow. And the same officials and government people who were pushing her out of the office and not listening to her 10 years ago are now coming in and saying, how can we work together? Wow. And so to see this evolution is where there's people been doing this behind the scenes a long time. You have the people from Normal and all these different groups and Americans for Safe Actus, Dr. Bronner, David Bronner. I mean, if anyone was a fighter for the freeing the plan, and of course, you know, these are people that are now starting to see the, the fruit of their labor, and that's what I love to see also. This is a fight and a passion that many people have, not just me, and I want to bring more of that to the table. And so, uh, once again, it's called The Cannabis Conundrum. Correct. Dot com. Uh, what about big tobacco, big pharma, big alcohol? How do you think they'll affect the industry? They are coming, and I mean that in not all negative, but they are. This is biz, big business, and alcohol industry is seeing a drop in sales. You're seeing tobacco trying to save themselves. And I mean, a lot of the big tobacco farmers and tobacco facilities like in t Kentucky and the Southeast are being converted to hemp facilities, mm. which is nice. Um, until you ever went down there, I've toured in Kentucky some of the old tobacco facilities. The size of these machines, the size, is, you can see the scalability of the industry, how big it became. And they see this happening with hemp. Hemp is going to be you know, one of the top three crops in this country, you know, ha you know corn, soy, hemp. This was the number one crop back in the day. Um, hemp was a U.S. crop, and we need to bring that back to the forefront, and it's happening all over the world. So, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, dynamic there. It's interesting that you point that out. I, you know, really, you just brought that in a realistic view, right? You know, you don't really, you don't think about that. Mm -hmm. um, is there a change in the public's perception, or is there still a lot of work to do? There's definitely an increased acceptance. You see more and more states. I think you have like 33 states or more right now. I could be wrong. Um, probably more. It's probably 38, I think, that have some sort of medical cannabis or cannabis or hemp law uh, or bills in, in the works. There's a lot of federal bills now that are talking about decriminalization and different changes. So when you see that, that only happens when the public perception is more accepting. And you're mm -hmm. seeing that the numbers keep increasing, that, you know, that this is... This is changing the way we feel. And you have the major demographic typically is your baby boomers, mm -hmm. you know, that are starting to say, look, I don't want to be on all these pharmaceuticals. They don't make me feel good. And let me try this. And they're seeing CBD. Some are trying a little THC. 
you're seeing other derivatives. There's not just CBD and uh, THC. There's over 500 compounds in the plant. They say over 100 plus cannabinoids. People are talking about THCV for weight loss and CBN for sleep and insomnia. And so this is just the, the tip of the iceberg in cannabisuticals and you know, cannabis-based okay. therapeutics. So really it's about the um, education. It's about getting behind it. And, and again, the way it's, you talk about a brand, about marketing, but getting it out there, it's education. Yeah, it's definitely. And so where there's so many new companies and new products where I'm going into and what I've always, I'm setting up an actual cannabis research and education center in New York. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because we need to be working on what's next. We need to be keep creating more sound scientific validation to what we already know. And that part, and then, so I'd like to have it as where people can come in and learn about how we grow and how the different uses of the plant. And there's a lot of those opportunities that, that I think education drives, you know, sound information, creates more conscious consumers who make better choices. It's not a it's not a hype. And again, there are people that are hyping it up and there are people that are selling product that isn't quality and there's been reports on Amazon and other things of that nature where their product is tested and there's nothing in there. But that will hopefully shake out and they'll you know, become a more legitimate category in our industry and available all over the place. It's really kind of neat. And are you looking at uh, the international market? Oh, big time. I mean, of course, you know, China has been growing hemp and textiles for a long time. China is going to be a big grower and a big player. Of course, to our north, we have Canada, who is already well-established in the hemp market. And for many years, they did specifically did not grow with the intention for CBD, and now they are. Mm. And so that's a whole other supply chain, another opportunity. And like I said, with Tilray, a large Canadian cannabis company, buying Manitoba Harvest, the largest hemp food company in the world, they're also positioning themselves to integrate across the spectrum of hemp products, not just CBD, but they see a lot of different ingredients and a lot of different products that they can put it into. We have pet products, you know, we have topicals, we have beverages. Beverage is going to be a huge category, uh, in part because people are familiar with it, but also big beverage. I mean, you got beer companies, you've got, you know, uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi and those guys looking at different things. I mean, there's talk about, you know, kombucha's been the rage. Like, what about kombucha plus CBD? You know, it's like plus plus. Like, it just makes everything we already know is good that much better. So it's, it's definitely going to hit every category, every, you know, aspect of the industry. And there are some big, big players with lots of capital coming into the space. And that's why I say there's going to be a market for high-quality uh, craft or artisanal small growers with a story, with innovation, but there's going to be big mass market, big Global. players in the, in, yeah. in the space. Yeah, I mean, you have South America, you have you have everyone coming on board right They're now. All the, there. Yeah. We're all in it to win it, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fascinating, and uh, thank you for all of your research and for getting the word out there and for your education and your passion. <laughs> uh, you, your book, again, is thecannabisconundrum.com. You can check it out. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, Doc Rob, and uh, your great advice. Uh, is that the, the only website to check it out? Well, yeah, right now, I mean, go to docrob.com. That's my main website right now. That's always defined me and then connect out to social media you know we're on instagram and twitter and all that fun stuff all that social media good stuff that's out there but i and i and again i welcome people sending me messages you know not just liking my pages but using that as a resource i'm here to help and i do that on my show as well and say please send questions you know send me i got guys sending me new studies there was a new research study on cbd came out that it might be bad but then if you look at it closely it's not a legitimate study it's also some sort of weird mouse cell that's not even relevant we have to be diligent here, but it's 
the potential is amazing. Right, and you can find all of that information you can detect. So uh, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Great. Uh, Always interview. a pleasure. Thank you, guys. I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Thank you.